Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at docwashburnshow.com, unless I have some kind of a campaign event that uh, postpones the podcast, because I'm running for governor of Arkansas, because people are tired of rhinos. We'll get to that. More on that coming up. Anyway, minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 104 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Yes, my birthday. Thanks for all the happy birthday stuff coming in on Facebook. Appreciate that. Coming up, New York Times reporter admits FBI involved in January 6th at the Capitol. Also, Biden administration official admits Ukraine has bioweapons labs. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And, yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. If you would like to support my candidacy for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas, because whoever wins that nomination will be elected governor. I, I have no idea who the Democrats' uh, sacrificial lamb is going to be. If you'd like to support my candidacy for governor, if you are tired of rhinos being in charge of the state of Arkansas, if you're tired of Walmart and the Chamber of Commerce trying to run things here, if you don't want a third term of Hutchinson or Huckabee, Go to our website, electdocwashburn.com. If I get my message out to enough people, I will win the Republican nomination for governor over Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I was in Mena, Arkansas, a week and a half ago at a candidate forum. All kinds of people running for all kinds of offices, offices were there. After the candidate forum was over, people were coming up to me saying, uh, you know, we've never heard of you before. And we've been sending money to Sarah, but now we're going to vote for you. I'm like, thanks. I appreciate that. So the message resonates because I have a message and she doesn't. A lot of complaints. She doesn't want to talk about anything. She doesn't want to answer any questions. Okay, well, unlike my uh, unlike my opponent, I will. Now, speaking of which, speaking of which, she's got a new TV commercial out there, and she put it on Twitter, and uh, there's a response already, a guy who said, don't forget she was quiet while Aza muzzled our kids. Now, for people outside of Arkansas, that's the governor, Aza Hutchinson. Don't forget she was quiet while Governor Hutchinson muzzled our kids. She was part of the problem. To which I responded, when Governor Hutchinson endorsed her, she said he has been doing a good job. How can someone from Arkansas be that out of touch? That's one of the reasons I'm running for the Republican nomination for governor. Yeah, that just floored me. That just flabbergasted me when I found out that she had said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Aza's been doing a good job. Anyway, um, 
So that having been said, electdocwashburn.com. People were wondering for weeks why can't we uh, why can't we donate to the campaign online? Well, now you can. Now you can. We had to go through three companies. First company took a few days. Second company took a few days. Third company, uh, RaiseTheMoney.com, based in Arkansas, took two two hours. Two hours. That's it. So anyway. All right. Um, so what do we have next? We want to go to the audio of Undersecretary of State for Foreign Affairs, Victoria Newland who is a deep stater from way back, giving testimony in the Senate yesterday in front of the committee to Marco Rubio. And I don't think Senator Rubio is is a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer either. But um, one of the... Uh, one of the rules that lawyers try to keep themselves to, it's an informal rule, it's, it's not a law or anything, but a rule of thumb is you try not to ask a question in the courtroom that you don't already know the answer to because things can kind of go in unexpected directions that may not be helpful to your case. You know, while we're at it, another rule of thumb for some lawyers is – from, from what I gather, some of them learn at law school. I'm not sure which law schools. But if the um, if the facts of the case are in your favor but the law is against you, you really want to f- hyper-focus on the facts. If the facts of the case are against you but the law is for you, well, you, you know, obviously want to focus on the law. If the facts of the case and the law are against you, uh, you might want to yell a lot and bang on the table. Just, just what I've heard from and about lawyers. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So Victoria Newland, Undersecretary of State for the Biden administration, um, kind of shocks Senator Marco Rubio, senior senator from Florida, but he tries not to show it. He deftly tries to change the subject. And it went something like this. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware. Okay, wait, 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 wait. That's not what Rubio wanted to hear. So he's got to interrupt and deflect at this point. Because, see, this is a conspiracy theory. You know, the idea that there are bioweapons labs in Ukraine close to the border with Russia, that's a conspiracy theory, Right? Quotation marks. But now, she's the Undersecretary of State for Foreign Affairs for the Biden administration, and she was just confirming what is supposed to be some kind of QAnon conspiracy theory. 
Uh, Ruby, I don't like that, man. You know, because he's part of the deep state now. You know what I'm saying? Like the late great uh, George Carlin would say, there's a club and you and I are not in it. You get it? Well, Marco's in the club. Well, I'm somewhat despondent. I didn't realize I was going to do a 50 cent reference today. But anyway, anyway, Marco's in the club. And one of the things about the club is you don't talk about the club. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, so let's see uh, let's see what happens here here next. Uh, Marco deflecting and redirecting everything. Approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves so he deftly directs her in a 180 from admitting that there are bioweapons labs in Ukraine close to the Russian border he's like well look okay if anything like that gets released though the Russians are going to do their classic blame the other guy right and you're sure if anything like that that gets released, it'd be the Russians' fault, right? Right? She's like, oh yeah, well yeah, sure, yeah yeah, of course, yeah, the Russians, oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, she just admit admitted that we're trying to keep the bioweapons labs in eastern Ukraine from falling into the Russians' hands. Um, you know, I keep hearing from people that. Uh, Ukraine has been like a money laundering kind of deal for a lot of uh, powerful Americans for many, many years. Um, why would we have bioweapons labs in eastern Ukraine close to Russia? For that matter, why, uh, why would Fauci be going behind Barack Obama's back? Okay. Um, to keep funding the gain-of-function research of the bioweapons lab in um, Wuhan, which eventually gave us the Wu flu. You know, mark your calendar. It's very seldom I'm going to agree with Barack Obama on anything. But Obama in 2014 is like, uh, I don't know, this, this doesn't look too safe. Uh, we need to stop funding any kind of gain-of-function research, uh, bioweapons lab uh, somewhere in China. I mean, a stop clock is right twice a day, is that it? A blind acorn can find, uh, well, there's no blind acorn. A blind squirrel can find an acorn eventually. It's sleep deprivation kicking in. Um, so Fauci is like, oh, forget that. I got to go behind his back. I got to do something. We got to keep on funding this gain-of-function research. To make the viruses uh, more dangerous. Boy, I tell you what, though, we real, really held China accountable for uh, releasing that uh, COVID-19 thing, didn't we? Doggone it, we're so upset, so many people died. 
Dad, go ahead. Have the Olympics. Anyway. Am I playing to the camera or am I playing to the microphone? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. Um, our new videographer, Jeremiah Christian Stark, is in the studio today uh, videotaping. So that might be why I sound more animated than usual. So, so she admits something she wasn't supposed to admit, and Rubio... Rubio was flustered. And that doesn't happen very often. So somebody asks here, why is it Fox, Levin, Pratt, Newsmax, and the rest of them all have the same stories? Pratt. Who's Pratt? Chris Pratt, the actor? I don't know, man. Uh, They all repeat each other, but shows like Docs are the only ones that are putting out what is really going on. I just can't trust any other shows, radio or TV. To me, they are all about the agenda of the bad guys. Uh, I must confess, I haven't heard Brother Levin uh, in a while. Um, But, you know, we're all going to disagree on something. But, uh, you know, he's very kind to me to let me fill in for him like 11 different times. So I don't, I don't, I don't get the question. Why is it Fox, Levin, Pratt, Newsmax, and the rest of them all have the same stories? Speaking of Fox News on this, I mean, 24-7, around the clock, it's just nothing but emotion, and, and why can't we go to war with, with Putin? Well, I say 24-7. Uh, I should say 23-7. Because Tucker comes on and bemoans and decries the propaganda that goes on the whole rest of their show schedule. And he's bemoaning and decrying it right up to the end of his show. And now here's Sean Hannity. Well, I tell you what, I don't know see why we can't cut off the oil from Russia. <laughs> Tucker's like, man, there's so much propaganda. Okay, thank you, Tucker. Great show. Look, let me do some propaganda here. Three hours a day, that's all we ask. Anyway. Anyway. So... I just don't understand. I, I don't understand. I mean, we pray for the Ukrainians. It's horrible that Ukrainians are getting killed. But what I don't understand is there have been so many wars and so many people killed for so many years, but this is the one they want us to be concerned about. Why this and not all the other ones? You know? Oh, okay. A response here. From the same guy on the on the Podbean app, we get comments coming up in real time. He says, uh, that's true. I'd forgotten about Tucker. I'm just saying they all seem to be doing the same stories. I don't ever hear the content Doc brings on anywhere else. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate the compliment. See, that's one of the things we try to do here. And maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't ever seriously consider running for office because I'm not glad-handing people. I'm not patting, mutual pat on the back with people, try to go along to get along. Um, I just don't ever want you all to say, why didn't you warn us? Why didn't you tell us? So I'm not a normal person. I'm doing show prep 24-7.
You know what I'm saying, Holmes? Anyway, um, so we have um, also breaking news here. New York Times reporter says there, there were a ton of FBI informants at the Capitol on January 6th and suggests that his own colleagues exaggerated danger. Now, I'm going to play you a little bit of the um, audio from the undercover video, just so you know it actually exists. But I'll just warn you in advance, it's going to be very difficult to understand because the uh, video was surreptitiously recorded at a crowded restaurant. There's a lot of, you know, extraneous noise. But I'll tell you what he's saying. Anyway, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas published a video of Matthew Rosenberg, national security correspondent for the New York Times, privately ranting about how, in his opinion, the establishment media's continuous coverage describing the January 6th Capitol riot is overblown in its reliance on fear and trauma. Well, it wasn't really a riot unless you want to call it a police riot. You know, because the police started shooting uh, tear gas canisters and flashbang grenades at people who were being peaceful, right? Anyway, in private, Rosenberg says he's so over the continued establishment narrative that drums up the severity of January 6th. He told an undercover Project Veritas reporter, it's like January 6th stuff, but it's like I'm so over it at this point. I'm so over it. Rosenberg belittled how the left had overreacted to it, remarking how he and two other colleagues, quote, were outside and we were just having fun that day. Dude, come on, like, you, New York Times staff, were not in any danger January 6th, he lamented. Rosenberg criticized the traumatized demeanor about uh, that his colleagues in the New York Times give off when talking about it publicly, quote, but like all these colleagues who were in the Capitol building and they're young and they're like, oh my God, it was so scary. And I'm like, blank off. He continued, from them, young New York Times colleagues, I'm like, come on. It's New York Times. Not the kind of place I can tell somebody to man up, but I kind of want to be like, Dude, come on, you were not in any danger. Rosenberg named specific people who were there that day. White House correspondent Zolan Cano Youngs, national correspondent Sabrina Tavernese, and reporter Adam Goldman covering FBI and national security. But in particular, Rosenberg calls out Emily Cochran and Nicholas Fandos for pushing the trauma angle of January 6, 2021 experiences and calls them. Um, expletive deleted. Those blank little dweebs who keep going on about their trauma shut the blank up, he says. Then at one point, the conversation between the undercover Project Veritas reporter and New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Matthew Rosenberg devolves into what it's like pitching January 6th pieces and how they're seemingly obligated to keep up a narrative given the polarization between left-wing and right-wing politics in America. Referring to the New York Times managing editor, Rosenberg says, he's like, can we do like part two of that? Like, 
what's going on a year since January 6th, kind of like memory holding it, be, like maybe it's no big deal. Yeah, we can do that. It's a little quick turnaround, so that's what we've been doing the last few days. That's the story. But instead of meeting, I'm like, you know, one of the issues here is that like the Fox News of the world and other elsewheres, that the left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening the right needed to start introducing the idea of, whoa, these people are out of control, like it's not as big a deal as they're making it. Because they, the left, were making too big a deal. They were making this January 6th some kind of organized thing that it wasn't. And that gave the opening for the lunatics on the right to be like, oh, well, nothing happened there. It was just a peaceful bunch of tourists, you know. And it's like, but nobody wants to hear that. Rosenberg would later contradict his private beliefs by helping publish an article in the New York Times around the same time of the recording, which was entitled, The Next Big Lies, colon, January 6th is no big deal or a left-wing plot. The conversation then turned to other topics. And that's, that's when we get to the piece of audio Two pieces of audio that I want to play for you. Okay, I I hope I hope you can understand this. If you can't, then I'll uh, I'll tell you what he's saying here. There were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. That was us, not the right one. Okay, he says. There were a ton of FBI informants among the people who attacked the Capitol. That was us, not the right wing. That was us. In other words, I guess referring to pro-government people, left-wing people. Okay. Then he has something remarkable. Something remarkable about what happens if you work for the CIA and you lie on a polygraph, all right? Let's check it out. If you work there, you get polygraphed every year. And you're asked to be sold away for it. Your answer is everything but no, you're in trouble. You're often talking to former people who are stuck. All right, let me tell you what he just said there. For the CIA and NSA, if you work there, you get polygraphed every year. And you're asked if you've spoken to a reporter. And if your answer is anything but no, you're in deep trouble if you were for CIA and NSA. So I've been talking to former people who are talking to people who are still in. Okay, so technically they're telling the truth on the polygraph once a year. No, I'm not talking to any reporters. I haven't talked to any reporters. No, they talk to former coworkers who are now retired, and they pass the message on to the reporters. You know what I bet they're going to do at the uh, CIA and NSA? I bet they're going to add a new question to their annual polygraph. Okay, you haven't talked to any reporters? That's good. Have you talked to any uh, former coworkers, now retired, who you could reasonably assume may talk to reporters? Uh, well, uh, uh, uh. Oh, uh, I've been here for 13 years. You guys never asked that question before. Yeah, well, see, there was this expose from this New York Times reporter talking about how he gets inside info. So 
Answer the question. Man, oh man, oh man. Um, the postmillennial.com covering this article about Project Veritas. Uh, Nick Monroe, the postmillennial, says that um, it's far from the first time Project Veritas has crossed paths with the New York Times. Late last year, a judge had to intervene in a situation where the outlet had discussed legal memos they obtained from the lawyer representing the Project Veritas group. The outlet, of course, referring to New York Times. For a time, they barred the paper from further sharing such private information. Well, yeah, wouldn't that be privilege, lawyer, client, I mean, info? It came around the same time as Biden's Department of Justice raided James O'Keefe's home amid an investigation surrounding how right-wing media circles obtained Ashley Biden's private diary in the weeks leading up to the 2020 election. Oh, yeah, that was the private diary Dementia Joe's daughter had in which she alleged that her own father uh, had abused her. Remember that? Taking inappropriate showers with my father. Yeah. Yeah. And the media had to ignore it because they couldn't act like it wasn't real because if it wasn't real, the FBI wouldn't have buffaloed their way into James O'Keefe's apartment to take all his computers and stuff. In a Rumble live stream unveiling Part 1's findings, James O'Keefe said he has a Part 2 to unmask New York Times that further goes into the inner workings of the paper. The post-millennial has reached out to Cochran and Fandos for comment. Yeah, good luck on that. I don't think anybody's going to want to comment on this. You know what? It's like um, it reminds me of the uh, the NBC Sports reporter after that NASCAR race a while back last year. Well, this young man named Brandon, only 20 years old, wins his first major race in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, thousands of people in the stands, as she's trying to interview him, are uh, yelling and chanting um, something about Joe Biden, which was uh, obscene. And the NBC reporter is acting like they're saying, let's go, Brandon. They're so excited for you. Listen, the chanting, let's go, Brandon. Of course, she knows that's not what they're saying. And NBC Sports and the reporter, neither one would ever comment officially in response to all the media outlets going, okay, uh, come on. You knew that. I mean, seriously. You got a comment now? Just stiff-armed him. If I may use the football term of present company. So I'm not sure that's appropriate because we're talking NASCAR. But anyway, you, you get the idea. You get the idea. Look, we got a lot more to talk about, including some stuff about the vaccines. But we're a half hour into today's live stream slash podcast. And I just want to remind you that what makes it possible for us to do the live stream slash podcast is we have advertisers. And God bless them. We appreciate them. And the views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washington Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but we love them and they love us. So let me just mention, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. 
Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. Now, that includes the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. You click that button, and it guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically. So you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is extremely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online. Online for the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door. Anywhere in the continental United States, no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. And if you're in central Arkansas, you want to go buy one of the car lots, Cabot, Heber Springs, Malvern, Wynn, Arkansas. They'll treat you right. They treated me right. Got a great deal on a 2013 Honda Accord with only 85,000 miles on it. A great deal. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, now, all the time talking about the federal government trying to jam stuff down our collective throat. So let me ask you, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of these questions, the website you need to go to, it's called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see in big, bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Big, beautiful red button says schedule call now. You click the schedule call now button. You book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn and make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Also make sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover awful stuff like abortion, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. Again, the website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. Affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Hit the big red button, says schedule call now. Book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn to make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. And you will be glad you did. All right, now, having said that, let's go back to my list of bookmarks. All right? Oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Hang on. The National Pulse. The great uh, Natalie Winters has the article that dropped yesterday 
exclusive deleted web pages show Obama led an effort to build a Ukraine-based biolab handling especially dangerous pathogens. Recovered by the National Pulse, the article raises serious questions about U.S. government activity in Ukraine stretching back almost two decades. Just an idea. You might want to go to the uh, nationalpulse.com. How long has Victoria Newland been working in the federal government? Because she would know all about this stuff. The, uh, the dangerous pathogens there in the, um, in the bioweapons lab in the Ukraine. Okay, let's see. She assumed office as Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, May 3rd, 2021. Before that, she was Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, September 2013 to January 2017, under Barack Obama. Before that, spokesperson for the United States Department of State, May 2011 through April 2013 under Barack Obama. Before that, United States Ambassador to NATO, June 05 through May 08 under George W. So uh, we're talking bipartisan corruption here. Keep it all in the family, you know what I'm saying? Just so you know. Just so you know. A deleted web article recovered by the National Pulse reveals... Former President Barack Obama spearheaded an agreement leading to the construction of biolabs handling especially dangerous pathogens in Ukraine. The news comes on the same day Biden regime apparatchik Victoria Nuland told the U.S. Senate the American government is concerned about biological research facilities falling into Russian hands as a result of the ongoing conflict in Eastern Europe. Originally posted on June 18, 2010, the article Biolab opens in Ukraine, details how Obama, while serving as U.S. Senator from Illinois, helped negotiate a deal to build a Level 3 biosafety lab in the Ukrainian city of Odessa. The article, which also highlighted the work of former U.S. Senator Republican Dick Luger from Indiana, was additionally included in issue number 818 of the United States Air Force Counterproliferation Center's Outreach Journal. Author Tina Redlup explained, Luger said plans for the facility began in 05 when he and then-Senator Barack Obama entered a partnership with the Ukrainian officials. I wonder if that was financially lucrative to either Senator Luger or Senator Obama. Ah, couldn't be. Luger and Obama also helped coordinate efforts between the U.S. and Ukrainian researchers that year in an effort to study and help prevent the avian flu. Oh, yeah, the bird flu, the bird flu. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and on. But, I mean, I just thought that maybe you would find it um, interesting. Perhaps it would be compelling when we consider what's going on around us. You know what I'm saying? 
Just a thought. Just a thought, Holmes. Okay, let me scroll back. I need to find some stuff about the vaccines. Let me scroll back here. Oh, what? Bobby Kennedy's uh, website, childrenshealthdefense.org, has a new article. Billions of GMO mosquitoes set to be released in California and Florida. Did you hear about that? Are you hearing about this stuff anywhere else? The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency approved the world's largest release of genetically engineered mosquitoes despite warnings by public health experts. Great. In defiance of science and public health concerns, Monday, the EPA approved the mass release of billions of experimental genetically engineered mosquitoes into the U.S. most populous and agriculturally significant states. The British biotechnology company Oxitec was granted an experimental use permit for the release of a genetically engineered version of the species Aedes aegypti, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, across Fresno, Tulare, San Bernardino, and Stanislaus counties in California and Monroe County in Florida. Monroe County, Florida. Let's see. I should know exactly where that is. I used to live in Florida. Monroe County, Florida. Oh, of course. That's uh, that's Key West. And a significant chunk of southwest Florida on the mainland. Now, I wonder why they're doing this, and I wonder who gave them the money, who in the uh, U.S. government. I just I can't imagine who might have done something like that, Fauci. But, um, see, that's jacked up. Genetically mo- uh, modified mosquitoes they're going to release in four or five counties. One, two, three, four counties in California, one in, in Florida. Why is that? Why is that? Um, Dana Pearls, Food and Technology Program Manager at Friends of the Earth and a California resident said, scientists have found genetic material from GE mosquitoes in wild populations of significant levels, which means GE mosquitoes are not sterile. The GE mosquitoes could result in far more health and environmental problems than they would solve. Yeah, I don't think releasing billions of any kind of mosquitoes are going to help the uh, the environment. I really don't think so. But that's okay. Biden doesn't care. And the people running Biden don't care. Know what I'm saying? All right, here we go. Ten things you should know about the new Pfizer documents. Oh, and by the way, before I get to that from Steve Kirsch. Oh, caution, this document is still being edited and fact-checked and is likely to contain errors. Use at your own risk. It has not been pushed to my subscribers. If you find a mistake, let me know in the comments. Okay, Steve, we're going we're gonna to wait. We're going to hold off on that then. 
No, I appreciate the caution. I appreciate the caution. But going back to the admission from the New York Times reporter and the undercover video from Project Veritas, I got to talk to my guy because the computer keeps on resetting itself when I scroll down. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's, if if it had plucked my last nerve. Anyway, the great Jack Posobiec over Human Events says, New York Times reporter says there were a ton of FBI informants among the people who attacked the Capitol. Congressman Matt Gates out of Northwest Florida said, we've been telling America this. Everyone knows that the January 6th committee and prosecutions are largely a cover-up for the FBI's involvement, not dissimilar to the Russian hoax being the cover-up for illegal spying by Democrats and the FBI and Justice Department. Are you paying attention yet? Well, some of us are. Some of us are. All right, let me uh, let me go to uh, the best the best governor in America, Ron DeSantis of Florida. He's got a little video here and the tweet that says uh, says there's no place in Florida for COVID theater. These experts agree. No masking, no mandates, and no medical censorship. And the first expert's voice you're going to hear after Governor DeSantis is new Florida Surgeon General, um, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and then Dr. Christopher, well, what's his name again? Hang on. Then uh, Dr. Christopher Damo, epidemiologist, and uh, after that, we'll have another doctor, Dr. Joseph Freeman. Anyway, a, a lot of experts here that don't want to tow the party line, if you catch my drift. All right, so uh, here we go. Leading off is the best governor in America, Ron DeSantis of Florida. What we've seen over the last two years is a gap between uh, the overarching narrative, a gap between the Faucian pronouncements of what needed to be done, um, and then the actual data that supported or did not support uh, those policies. Something that has been missing and been hard to find over the past two years, which is open discussion and transparency about some of the policies that we've seen over the last two years. Five percent at most, it seems, from a lot of the published data. Um, of COVID was actually spread in schools. Some studies as low as 1%. And some of this used pretty elegant uh, contact tracing. You know, it, was, it took me about a year into the pandemic before it became really clear that it wasn't obvious at all that any policy was strongly effective at reducing COVID infections or, or death. We've really had an inversion of the precautionary principle, and I think that's a great theme because it relates to school closures, lockdowns, masks. The proper place of science in society needs to be restored so that scientists can advise but not dictate policy. And, then I, and I believe that lockdowns themselves, once, once we have fully evaluated them, will, will be seen as an enormous mistake. There is no justification for mandating vaccines for children, full stop. 
we're of the strong opinion that if there is risk, there must be choice. This is fundamental medical bioethics 101. Uh, we don't. That was uh, Dr. Robert Malone, by the way. Know what the risk-benefit ratio is. So I think under those circumstances, uh, it's uh, unethical to mandate uh, uh, vaccinations for children. It is very difficult when you are talking to a patient, and right between you, there's a mandate. Two years, you know, now we can say, the benefit of hindsight, that the measures, in fact, didn't do very much to slow down the spread. Lockdowns are plausible. Uh, but they're not scientific, and, and the scientific evidence, as we've seen, is how harmful they've been. I just that was Dr. Harvey Risch, Yale epidemiologist. Again, hope, hope that this recognition we can move forward and prevent this um, from occurring in the future, and recognize schools are schools are essential. I think that this uh, this discussion has uh, has crystallized a lot of things. I think we've seen. I mean, you know, you you have this lack of trust in the medical establishment and in the CDC and the politicization of those institutions, and, and that's not going to bode well uh, for us as as a society going forward. Um, uh, an aversion to actual data uh, if it conflicts with the narrative, um, and then really a failure to uh, to weigh costs and benefits, um, whether that's lockdowns, whether that's school closures, or whether that's even something about, uh, you know, whether a healthy seven-year-old kid uh, sh- should get the COVID vaccine. So there you go. There you go. So has uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas ever admitted that um, maybe they shouldn't have done the lockdowns? Oh, no, no. No. A couple of years after the 2020 lockdowns, or maybe a year, year and a half, something like that, State Senator Dan Sullivan tried to get a bill passed giving the money back the Governor Hutchinson's stormtroopers, the investigators from the health department, had fined all these small businesses, mass mandates and that kind of stuff. Oh, no. Hutchinson shut that down. But again... My opponent in the Republican primary for governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, says Ace has been doing a great job. That's wrong, Sarah. That's wrong. People ask me, hey, you challenge her to a debate? And I'm like, no. I'm, there's no point. She, she can't debate me. There are too many things she can't talk about, which is why when she does her own public appearances, People are frustrated and upset because she won't answer questions. She won't talk about issues. I'd be happy to debate her, but that's not going to happen. Plus, um, it is customary, it is typical for an underdog who thinks he doesn't have a chance in a general election or in a primary election to beg and plead the person leading for a debate. But I'm not the underdog. Everywhere I go, my message, my issues, the things I want to do as governor are overwhelmingly positively received. Well, Doc, wait a minute. What do you think? What what, what, what do you mean you're not the underdog? Well, Sarah's got $8 million or $10 million, $13 million, however much it is. Okay, what that means is she has money to buy ads, TV, radio, whatever. Okay? 
that doesn't necessarily mean that she's in the lead. Remember Jeb Bush, former governor of Florida? Please clap. That Jeb Bush? Okay, um, he spent over $100 million in the Republican primary for president of primaries in 2016 and got three delegates. Remember Hillary, who spent more than twice what Trump spent in the general election in 2016? And Trump beat her? The, the money for the ad buys doesn't matter. What matters is where a majority of the voters in the Republican primary for governor are when it comes down to what's important to them. And I have my finger on their pulse, and Sarah doesn't. And it's, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. I'm going all over the state talking to people that she's trying to avoid. Okay, Sarah, let's see how that works out. Let's see how that works out. So, anyway. And I played the audio the other day from September 14th, 2020. By that point, a lot of Arkansans had figured out that Aza was out of control. Our governor was out of control. But not Sarah. No, he's been doing a good job on the COVID-19 response. Really? Telling uh, bars and restaurants you got to close up at 10 p.m. Why? Because the Wu flu is nocturnal? Uh, you're okay until 10, but <laughs> around 11 p.m. or midnight, that uh, China virus is going to get you. Going to get you. Yeah, Ace has been doing a good job. Telling people you got to wear a mask walking into the restaurant. But once you sit down at your table and make your drink order, you can take the mask off. What kind of stupidity is that? The same Wu flu, the same China virus, is going to get you if you're out after 10 o'clock at night, will be polite and not get you if you take off your mask at the table at the Waffle House. What's that about? Seriously? I ain't gonna lie, fam. That, that's 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 whack, man. That's jacked up. But Sarah's good with it. Don't we want a governor who actually is interested in actually thinking through things? I mean, seriously. Because that's not what she's that that's not what Sarah is about. You know what I'm saying, Holmes? That's not what she is about. You know, I'm old enough to remember back when Mike Huckabee first ran for president. And he said there shouldn't be a coronation. Right? Oh, wait, they shouldn't just hand it to McCain because it's his turn. My, 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 how time changes things, right, Mike? Anyway, (laughs) every time I say that word, it reminds my wife of Don Rickles. 
Anyway, uh, a game of cooking went away. There's a lot more. Chip Roy, United States House Representative, Texas District 21, early this morning out there on Twitter, talking about swamp spending. He said, we were sent vote times and omnibus spending bill at 2.30 in the morning. It's 2,700 pages long, and we vote at 10 a.m. Top-line spending appears to be over $1.5 trillion. We are told it's a 6% increase year over year, not counting Ukraine or COVID support. We can't identify their baseline for saying 6% increase. It appears higher, but we cannot tell. We're aware of zero actual changes to USA oil and gas restrictions. We're aware of zero changes to COVID vaccine mandates. We're aware of zero meaningful policy changes for our open border. Only more money for Border Patrol and ICE. Which means more money to process illegal immigrants and more money for MPP slash return to Mexico which Department of Homeland Security is ignoring anyway. We have not been able to comb through earmarks yet, but it's likely there are earmarks earmarks one way or the other. The supplemental Ukraine money is $13.6 billion. That's not offset. That's had zero meaningful debate about what this means regarding war, engagement, effectiveness. It's $15.6 billion in COVID supplemental for Lord only knows what, apparently offset by previous COVID ap- appropriations. We're also voting on a ban on Russian oil with no changes to the limits on USA oil, which means higher gas prices and or money to Venezuela and Iran. And for swamp spending, icing on the cake, there will be significant House Republican and Senate Republican support for this rushed massive spending while inflation is at over 7%, fails to secure the border, fails to open up USA energy, and fails to protect Americans from a jab. Hashtag defund tyranny. All right? Now, I've shared that with you, but I want you to hear what U.S. Representative Chip Roy is saying what he said on the floor of the House and how upset he is with both Democrats and Republicans. So here you go. Well, I appreciate the speaker. I appreciate the ability to address a few of my colleagues here on the floor of the House. I would note, though, here we are again. We're sitting here at the precipice of a government funding uh, running out. And I hear all my colleagues talking about uh, how great it is. We're going to come up with some great big omnibus bill. And I'm hearing that from my colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Nobody in America wants us to plus up more spending irresponsibly. Nobody in America wants us to say, oh, let's pat ourselves on the back now. Because some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are saying, well, you know what? It's time now to ban Russian oil. It's not good enough to ban Russian oil if we're not going to open up American oil and gas. 
All we're going to do is provide more money to Venezuela, more money to Saudi, more money to Iran. But yet, that's being touted as a victory. And some of my colleagues on this side of the aisle are saying, okay, good, oh, this is great. But my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they don't want any oil. They don't mind your gas being $4, $7, $10 a gallon. Don't get played. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are about to get played. And everybody back home is saying, what are you going to do to stop vaccine mandates? Nothing. What are you going to do to secure the border? And my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, don't worry. We're going to give you more money for ICE, more money for Border Patrol. But you know what that does? It makes it worse. Because you're funding the processing of people at our border. Because that's all Border Patrol and ICE are doing. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, look at us. We did something for you for border security. It ain't true. It's going to make it worse. And anybody who's been to the border, anybody who talks to Border Patrol, anybody who talks to ICE knows that's true. We're not going to get a vaccine mandate. We're not going to get a secure border. And we're not going to get more oil and gas being produced in America. And then we're going to say, great, let's have a vote and send more lethal aid to Ukraine. And we're not even going to have a debate down here about what we're doing in funding Ukraine with Putin rolling over Ukraine. All we're doing is backroom deal-making, waiting for somebody to drop a bill on the floor of the House and then come down and vote yes or no. That is a disgusting display by both sides of this body. We ought to have a full and open debate on the floor of the House about what we're doing in sending arms to Ukraine, how much we're spending, what it means for our involvement, what it means for NATO, what it means for stopping Putin, and stop spending money we don't have. Stop funding tyranny. Stop forcing Americans to get a jab or lose their job. Stop leaving the border wide open and stop selling the American people a bill of goods. And I'm looking directly at my party when I say that, and I yield back. There it is. Would that there were more like him in the U.S. House. But that's not, that's not uh, popular there. You know what I'm saying? Not popular. All right. Um, Got to mention a couple of more of my advertisers that we're so proud of and so thankful to for allowing us to do what we do every day. My buddy Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Arkansas. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster, left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations, has really helped me out with the automobile accidents I was in. Two in 2019 and one in December of 2021. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So, whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. So whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. 
Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, uh, if you uh, were a faithful listener to my radio talk show, you've heard what I'm getting ready to say next. If you're kind of new to us, you probably haven't. When my wife and I were still dating, we went down to Panama City, Florida to visit family Christmas time, 2015. Came back home to uh, Little Rock, and um, I was trying to get a hold of her on uh, New Year's Eve. I kept calling, and she never answered. And uh, I didn't know her two adult children well enough to have a phone number for either one of them. Finally, her daughter sent me a private message on Facebook that evening and said, hey, Mama woke up this morning and couldn't catch her breath, and Jason's girlfriend had to drive her 80 miles an hour to get the ER at Baptist, and she is in a medically induced coma. I'm like, whoa, 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 medically induced what? So not a coma coma, but it means they have to put you under to try to stabilize you. She was in the hospital for nine days. First two and a half were the medically induced coma. After she got out, as soon as I could, I took her to the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center to see if she needed to get her atlas adjusted. And they did the x-rays, and boy, did she. And after she got her atlas adjusted, walking out of the office, she said, wow, doc, this is crazy. I said, what? She said, well, the big toe on my left foot has felt numb and tingly for years, and now it feels normal. That afternoon, she texted me while I was doing the talk show. She said, hey, guess what? I don't have my regular daily backache. I said, good. A few days later, she said, you know what? I have not had a headache since I got my atlas adjusted at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. I said, how often are you used to having headaches? She's like, every day. They had told her at the hospital she had COPD. But when she went for a checkup a few weeks after she got out and got her atlas adjusted to a respiratory therapist, he said, you don't have COPD. Gee, I wonder if getting your atlas adjusted has something to do with that. And if you're thinking, okay, what are you talking about getting your atlas adjusted? Let me explain to you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column. The atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces, so it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to work. It can affect your respiratory system and your circulatory system and your reproductive system and, yes, even your digestive system. Cause migraines, back pain, neck pain, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Okay, so if you're having any of these issues, do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. This has helped so many people that we know, and certainly has helped me and my wife. If you're outside central Arkansas, and it sounds like something you need to look into, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I hope you can. Again, turnmypoweron.com. 
All right. So there's a lot of stuff going on today. And I'm trying to get to as much of it as I can. And I love this part of the show. Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by... It's brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online. Have it delivered to you, your front door, anywhere in the continental U.S. As my dad used to say, the the lower 48. Tweet of the day is from a guy named uh, Danny D'Urbina. Only 19 years old, fighting for America, culture war on campus and online. He's the Tea Party USA. No, is that it? Tea Party USA? What's what's TPUSA stand for? Turning Point USA. That's Oh, that's uh, what's his name? The Charlie Kirk's outfit. So Danny D'Arbina says, Every local Republican party should be registering voters at gas stations right now. That's what's up. That's it. So thank you, Danny D'Urbina, for today's tweet of the day. And thank you to RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring our tweet of the day. All right, there's a lot of stuff here, and I'm going to have to... uh, do the Cliff's Notes, because there's not time to do everything. The Daily Wire has the exclusive and leaked audio, former NIH director, new Biden science advisor, laughs about threatening unemployment to force vaccines and blames Trump for COVID deaths. Now, this is the guy, uh, Francis Collins, right? Professing Christian Francis Collins, the the guy that wrote the book a few years ago about how science shows how obvious it is that there is a God. Laughing about threatening unemployment to force vaccines and blaming Trump for COVID death. He's an evil dude. My humble opinion. And you're entitled to it. Also, Jordan Schachtel over at Substack Welcome to the controlled demolition of American energy. With record high gas prices, the ruling class brings in the energy transition. He says, since the beginning of the Biden presidency, there have been competing forces in the White House going back and forth over the energy future for America. On one side, you had somewhat rational minds that recognize the necessity of continuing to produce reliable energy in America. On the other side, there are the forces of for the regression of human civilization, arguing that fossil fuels were destroying Mother Earth, and therefore humans need to be made to sacrifice for the supposed health of the planet. In a press conference Tuesday morning, Biden all but declared that the eco-radicals in his administration have won the fight, spiking the football on this issue. On the same day, Americans registered the highest gas prices in U.S. history. So you got that. Of course, he's blaming Putin. 
Uh, we also have from the uh, voiceofsandiego.org. An article came out a couple of days ago. California state agency conducted mask raids, interviewed preschoolers alone. Several parents at Aspen Leaf Preschool in the San Diego Metro are furious that state child care licensing investigators questioned their pre-K children without supervision. Are you surprised? I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something about the child welfare system. And I can't do anything about California. Well, you like me, Governor, I'll do something in Arkansas. Washburn administration in Arkansas. All child welfare workers will have to wear body cams when they interact with parents and children because too many of them have lied and taken those children away from parents who love them and haven't done anything wrong. They have to give Miranda rights to parents. And I'm going to make them stop forcing their way into single-wide trailers with single mothers who don't know that they can't legally do that without a warrant. Know what I'm saying? All right, so we got that. Julie Kelly dropped an article Monday evening. The FBI goes on trial in the Whitmer case. Subtitle, in the case surrounding the alleged plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, the FBI will be on trial just as much, if not more, than the four men who stand accused. Yeah, because basically, they trumped the whole thing up. And then the guy in charge of the FBI's Detroit field office was promoted to be in charge of the FBI's Washington, D.C. field office just in time for January 6th. And then I got the New York Times reporter saying that there were many FBI informants right in the middle of all of it on January 6th. Dan Kalertner at America Greatness. Article entitled, Who's Paying These Guys? Subtitle, It's Almost Like Team Biden is Playing for the Other Side. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And they always have been. Last but not least, the great Ned Ryan. And American Greatness, Wokeness on Energy is Weakness. Biden's energy problem, pardon me, Biden's energy policy is bankrupting the country and making us a paper tiger abroad. And that is intentional. Dementia or not, that is intentional. Romeoville, Illinois, grade school hallways, big signs explaining polysexual, gender fluid, and asexual in elementary school. You like me, Governor, and I'll make sure there's nothing like that going on in our schools in Arkansas, just so you know. Well, I keep on saying last but not least, but I keep on finding more. Redstate.com, uh, Biden junta duplicity revealed after Poland declares MIGs for Ukraine are ready to go. Strife over Red State says for about a week now we've been following the saga of the MIGs for Ukraine program. Poland, it seems, came up with the idea of transferring MIG and Sukhoi aircraft flown by Poland uh, Slovakia and Bulgaria to Ukraine. Here's how I describe it in 
The article, Did Blinken Put Poland Outside NATO Protection If It Transfers New Fighter Aircraft to Ukraine? This is important. He says, after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, former Warsaw Pact countries who are all too familiar with the fraternal leadership of Russia were quick off the mark to supply Ukraine with weapons and supplies to allow them to resist Russia. Some countries put together a plan to provide the Ukrainian Air Force with 70 additional fighter or or attack aircraft, 56 MiG-29s from Poland, 28 aircraft, Slovakia, 12, and Bulgaria, 16, and 14 Su-25s from Bulgaria. The plan was for the aircraft to be ferried to an air base in Poland where they would be married up with Ukrainian pilots and flown home. I have some questions about the whole plan. The Western MiGs and Sukhois are not off the assembly line aircraft. They have Western avionics and their power plants have been upgraded. As such, they are not the same aircraft operated by the Ukrainian Air Force. I haven't read any authoritative account of how the Ukrainians plan to maintain these aircrafts, and one can't help but wonder if the plan isn't to service them in Poland, fly them to a base in Ukraine, run a few missions there, and return to Poland. Last Wednesday, it looked like the whole deal was breaking down. Read the whole story at, and he links to an article, transfer of NATO aircraft to Ukraine falls through as Zelensky resumes his campaign for no-fly zone. As it turned out, the deal didn't break down because it was impractical. It broke down due to the -the behind-the-scenes machinations of the Biden junta. And he links to the article revealed the real reason that deal to send fighter jets to Ukraine fell through. Then he says, once the word leaked out that Biden was a stumbling block, the State Department got out of the way. On Sunday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced the U.S. was fine with the transfer, but did so in a curious way. Let's take a moment here to consider what Putin has said. He has declared that an attack on Russian forces coming from any country outside Ukraine will result in Russia considering that as participation in the armed conflict. This quote is in the context of the possible NATO no-fly zone, but here's a guy who claims he wants to denazify a country literally headed by a Jewish guy. In my interpretation, Anthony Blinken just told Poland, you're on your own, Scooter. He said, you are free to send aircraft to Ukraine, but it's not part of any NATO operation. Suppose Putin interprets aircraft ferrying from Poland to Ukraine as an imminent attack on Russian forces and lobs a missile or three at the air base in Poland. Will we consider that as triggering the mutual defense provisions of Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty, NATO? Well, it looks like the Poles smelled the same rat. Earlier on Tuesday, the Polish government announced it would send their MiG-29s to Ramstein Air Force Base, Germany, and let the U.S. arrange the delivery. So this seems to have come as a shock to the U.S. Department of Defense. The AP said the Pentagon rejected a surprise announcement from Poland that it would give the U.S. its MiG-29 fighter jets for use by Ukraine. A transfer of the MiGs to Ukraine is fraught with complications that could further inflame tensions with Russia. Well, I thought that was what uh, Biden was trying to do. Statement by Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. He says, we're now in contact with the Polish government following the statement issued today, as we have said. 
The decision about whether to transfer Polish-owned planes to Ukraine is ultimately one for the Polish government. We'll continue consulting with our allies and partners. Oh, man, don't they just love to consult with their allies and partners? They all love to do that. About our ongoing security assistance to Ukraine, because, in fact, Poland's proposal shows just some of the complexities this issue presents. The prospect of fighter jets at the disposal of the government of the United States of America departing from U.S. slash NATO base in Germany to fly into airspace that is contested with Russia over Ukraine raises serious concerns for the entire NATO allowance. It's simply not clear to us that there is a substantive rationale for it. We'll continue to consult with Poland and our other NATO allies about the issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents, but we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. So, so, strife over at Red Red State follows up and says, but now we're back to where we were when the idea was first hatched. In fact, the Biden junta is being revealed by House Democrats as being at least as duplicitous as we thought. Not only was the White House trying to sandbag the deal and leave Poland holding the bag, the whole interagency was mobilized against it too. Jackie Heinrich. Fox News says, even before the Pentagon nixed the plan to get Polish MiGs to Ukraine via Randstein Air Force Base, our Air Force Base in Germany, House Intel Committee members wrote to Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, with concerns about reported impediments, National Security Council associated with the delivery and the National Security Council's decision on whether or how to backfill the resulting loss. Strife at Red State wraps it up, saying, Personally, I can't see any way these aircraft get to Ukraine without undergoing some disassembly and being sent by rail. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, that's it for today. i got stuff i got to do. You've been listening to Episode 104 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program was produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, March 9th, 2022.